You're listening to Our Faith, Our Country, the podcast that discusses walking with Christ and ties faith to America's foundation. Here's your host, Jason Bryant Jennings. Matthew 18, 16. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. The connection, the Sixth Amendment, which talks about fair trials with witnesses. You can find today's guest co-hosting Fox and Friends Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Fox News Channel. You can also find her hosting Ainsley's Bible Study on Fox Nation. She's also a number one New York Times bestselling author, Ainsley Earhart. Welcome to Our Faith, Our Country. Thank you so much, Jason. It's great to be on with you today. Ainsley, I got to imagine one of your top jobs and maybe one of your favorite jobs is giving Brian Kilmeade grief every chance you get Monday through Friday on Fox and Friends. <laughs> oh, my word. It's so fun. Brian takes it well. He uh, built his coffee in the green room and we were recording it because he was on Facebook Live. And we played it on air without him knowing. And our producers were in my ear saying, Brian doesn't know this, but we're about to air what he just did in the green room when he spilled his coffee. Brian spills his coffee all the time. And we surprised him with that video and he was laughing on air. And a few years ago, he spilled his coffee and we bought him a sippy cup and told him he needs to drink out of the sippy cup on set every day because he's just notoriously spilling things and dropping things. He's just a funny character. And then Steve is uh, just our measured, fun, other co-anchor, and he's wonderful and smart and kind of holds us all together and, and reigns Brian and me in. Ainsley, I know you, that you grew up in a religious household, but your journey with Christ really started on October 19th, 1997, when you were in college. Tell us about that. I grew up in a fun family. My parents are very social and uh, loved the Lord, and we were in church every Sunday. But when I went to college, I started at Florida State University and transferred to the University of South Carolina my junior year because I changed my major. Tough decision to leave all my friends at Florida State, but I knew I needed to focus on school and I needed to get my life in order. I was just having a lot of fun at Florida State. I was always, you know, a good kid, but I just did everything that everyone else was doing in college and just going out a lot and drinking. And so I realized I felt God working on my heart when I was probably a sophomore in college and was in a Bible study within my sorority and went on a mission trip to New York for spring break with Campus Crusade for Christ. And I I watched all these strong Christians serving and passing out what they call tracts. Tracts are, I'm sure you know, Jason, but tracts are these little pamphlets that you pass out. We, We went into homeless shelters and told them about Jesus and these little pamphlets teach people how to get saved and and how to say the prayer of salvation so that you can ask Jesus to come into your heart. I'd never seen these before. I was surrounded by all these strong Christians. I remember at the end of our trip, we all got in a big circle in a gymnasium at one of the churches, and we all went around the circle and said a prayer and then told each other what we loved and what we learned most. And I remember I did not feel comfortable sharing anything. I just passed. I said, "I'll, I'll pass. Because I was so uncomfortable around this group, and that's not like me. My personality is, you know, I'm not afraid to talk in public, obviously, with my career, my job. But I just was uncomfortable because I didn't feel like 
I had what they had. And so I got a taste of what really strong Christians, what their lives look like. And so I went back to Florida State after spring break, and I just was trying to make some better decisions in my life. And that's when I started praying about where I needed to go to school the following year, what major. I I wanted to do something in television, so I changed it to broadcast journalism. God was just working on my heart. And then I joined the same sorority I could affiliate at the University of South Carolina. And there are so many strong Christians in the 80 Pi house at USC. All these girls just welcomed me in. I started going to that Bible study. So I would go out with all the crazy fun girls at night and then still go to the Bible studies with all the, the great strong Christian girls. And they started dragging me to FCA. So I went to FCA. I went to all their meetings and just met so many wonderful people. And then we had a speaker every FCA meeting. And one time the chaplain of the USC football team, he spoke and I was so impressed. And I wanted whatever they had. They were such a nice group of people. They didn't talk badly about other people. They looked at life differently. They weren't gossiping. They really, truly loved everybody and saw everyone as God's child. And I felt like they were wholesome. And those are the people that I think Jesus would have been proud for me to be around and my father would be proud for me to hang out with. And so I was invited to a mountain weekend with a fraternity and my date was a good friend of mine. And he just asked if I would be his date on this truck. And I said, yes. And so I told him that I I just started this Bible study with a group of friends and I was going to bring my Bible study book and maybe he could join me. And so I would sit on the back porch or, you know, in the backyard and I would do my Bible study reading that Friday when we got there and that Saturday. And a few of the people in our cabin joined me. And that night, there was a big party at that cabin. There were a bunch of cabins that fraternity had rented, and they all ended up at our cabin that night. And there was music playing, and there were, I think I remember that I could smell like marijuana. You know, I didn't see it. I didn't do drugs. I knew people were. And I remember just looking around that room thinking, there is more to life than this party world. And as much fun as it had been, I was reluctant. Because a lot of my friends had talked to me about kind of giving that up and not going on this mountain weekend trip. My Christian friends, they said, we just don't want you to be put in a position with, you know, this guy. I just feel like your life is changing. And so that night I just looked around the room and it was almost like an outer body experience. I went outside and I sat on the back porch or the side porch and there was snow all over the ground. And you could just, it was just the hush of the snow, the peace of the snow. I could hear the party going on inside behind me. And I said, God, I don't know how to pray this prayer of salvation. I don't know what I'm doing, but I need you in my life. And I want to change. I want my life to change. And I know I'm going to lose friends. And I know that my world is going to be changed, but for the better. I was just ready. I was so tired of living that life and wanted to be more like the people who were beautiful examples of the goodness and the kindness that I was searching for and had been my whole life. I remember passing out some flyers because I was running for one of the offices. I don't know. I was involved in student government in high school. And I remember a girl, she was on the back porch where you could smoke in our high school at that time. She was smoking and I handed her a piece of paper and I said, this is my name. I'm Ainsley. Will you please vote for me? And she said, you're, you're just a prep. Why would I ever vote for you? And I remember thinking, what does that even mean? And why would she say that to me? And I remember my feelings just getting hurt because she didn't even know me. 
And I was talking to my friend, Cindy, we would drive to school together. And I said, Cindy, how do, how do we know if we're going to heaven? And she said, I think if you're a good person, but I always had this hole in my heart of why couldn't I get everyone to like me? Why was I still searching? How do I not know I'm going to heaven? And I was always trying to fill that hole. And so when I did ask Jesus into my life in 1997, October 19th, 1997, my life was changed forever. And I've never looked back and I am so happy to share my story and so proud of what Jesus did for us to sacrifice. Just watch Passion of the Christ again. I try to watch it every Easter and I can't watch it without sobbing like most of us just the pain and suffering that he went through because he loves us so much and he did that for us. You know, I tell people there's got to be more to this world than what we're living in now. Yes, I have wonderful days. Most days are great. I'm so grateful and thankful. I have a beautiful daughter. I'm healthy. I have an amazing family. I have a great career. I'm able to support my family and put food on the table. And I am just thrilled to be able to wake up every day. But you do have hard days. And in heaven, you don't have any of that. There's no suffering. There is no pain. When you watch The Passion of the Christ, there's none of that pain. It is a beautiful place. And this world is just so tough. And that is, this is just a blip on the radar. And eternity is forever. So forever, we're going to be sitting with Jesus and singing and being surrounded by people that we love in a wonderful environment where there is you can't even fathom it because we can't imagine what a world would be without jealousy and anger and resentment or politics. So I just know it's real. God has, has made it crystal clear to me in so many different ways. And that day changed my life. I will never be the same because of it. Recently, when I was in church, our pastor, Pastor Todd, was talking about agape love. Really interesting because with agape love, they were trying to find a single word to describe it. They were trying to find a word that meant unconditional, where one person wouldn't care about whatever the other person would ever do. No matter what, that person was going to love the other person, no matter what they did. Ainsley, when you hear that phrase, agape love, what does that mean to you? And what do you think about? It's selfless, as you said, unconditional, sacrificial, and of the four loves, agape love is the highest of the four, and it's a Greek word, and C.S. Lewis wrote a book about all of the different loves and how in the Greek language, we have in English one word for love. They have four different loves, and agape is the highest level of love, and it's how we love our children, unconditional. There's nothing they can do to remove themselves from that love. And that's how God loves us. And he loves us like we love our children. And for your listeners that have kids, you know what that's like. And if you don't, you will. You will understand that you just think about them constantly. Everything you do is for them. And that's what God does. He thinks about us every day, every second of every day. He's always there for us. He's always at the door knocking. And all you have to do is open it and let him in. He wants to be a part of your life. And if you do, you will be changed forever. You'll be complete. Remember when Jerry Maguire said, you complete me? I heard a pastor one time say, no person will ever be able to complete you. Only God will. And so I think of it as just Jesus take the wheel. I don't, I don't even know what's going to happen in my life tomorrow. I don't know if my, if my career ended tomorrow 
I would trust God for the next step in my life. And I I'm finally in a place where I feel so confident that God is in every single thing. There's not a coincidence in my life that God places people in my life, puts me in certain positions. And I, I pray all the time, God, I don't know what the future holds. I just want whatever you want. And when you're a Christian, that's your perspective. If you've talked to someone who doesn't have faith, that's not their perspective. They are always living in fear. They're always worried about what tomorrow is going to bring. They think, why did this happen to me? Why did it happen to someone else? And when you're a Christian, you don't think that way. You just give it to God and you say, God, I don't want to be here right now. I don't want to be in this valley, but I know I have to go through this and I trust you in order to get on top of the mountain. Ainsley, how did having Hayden change you as a person and how did it grow your love for God? Uh, For one, it means I put my complete trust in him because she is not my child. She is my gift to raise and to watch over and to protect with the help of God here while we're on this earth. But she is God's child. And it's taught me to trust him because as a parent, every single day, those thoughts do come into your mind of, am I a a good parent? Am I doing this right? What does her future look like? Am I preparing her? What more can I do? And so you just have to trust God when you have a child. If something happens to you, I know I'm going to heaven. If something happened to Hayden, I would be so devastated. But I know God would get me through that because I have several friends. And in my job, I've interviewed so many people that have gone through that. But I've trusted God that he will protect her. And I pray all the time for her. So it's made my prayer life a lot stronger. In addition to that, I'm teaching a human being about Christ every single day. I'm reading Bible stories with her every single night. We say our prayers. We say our grace or our blessing with every meal. And what a wonderful responsibility to be able to teach another human being all about Christ. And one day her tummy was hurting her. And she started crying and was telling me it hurts, it hurts. And she said, "Um, Mommy, please pray. Please pray for me. And so I started praying for her. And then she started taking over the prayer. She's five years old. And that was such a beautiful moment. And then at the end of December, on December 28th, she asked Jesus to come into her life. No solicitation. She just said, Mama, I think I'm ready to ask God to come into my heart. She's five. I got out wow. my, my camera video on my phone and I said, what, tell me what you just said. And she was shy. And she said, I don't want to talk on the video. I said, it's just us. Just tell me, what did you say? And she said, I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And I just hugged her and loved on her. We were reading bedtime stories and I let her stay up a little bit too late. And I'm so glad I did because we might've missed that opportunity. And then what else? There's so many wonderful things that God's taught me through just trusting him the beauty of seeing another child learn about Jesus. And that's my responsibility as a parent. It's changed who I am as a person. I'm a lot more patient. I'm more loving. I'm kinder. I'm sweeter, not because of anything I've done, but because of Jesus changing my life and living inside me because I want to model my life after Jesus's life. And I make mistakes. And I've been in New York for 15 years. I've one time I yelled at an Uber driver because he was yelling at me. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm not being a good Christian. I'm so sorry. Not even in my nature. He was just yelling at me. I can't even remember what it was. My dad was in the car. My dad was yelling at him too, because dad was protecting me. Oh my gosh. But 
you know, I always think, especially this day and age with cameras everywhere and cameras in these cars, I don't ever want anyone to witness me doing anything that's not Christ-like. Just changes how you live your life. You want to be a good example and you want to be a good example to your children. Yesterday we were in the car and she said, who do you love the most? I said, you know, I love Jesus the most, Hayden, and you're right there next to him. You're right behind Jesus. I said, who do you love the most? And she said, Jesus and then mommy. I thought that was sweet. Earlier in the show, you mentioned FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, especially with how crazy college campuses are right now in this climate and what college students are having to deal with. How important do you feel that it is for college athletes to join FCA or other groups like FCA? It is so important and it is so much fun. You know, we all look up to the athletes, especially at the college level. I mean, that you have to be so talented. And at FCA, they were all there. And I just looked up to all of them. Our football team, all of the strong Christians on our football team were there. Our tennis players, every, every sport at the University of South Carolina, they were all in these meetings. I just looked up to them. They were leaders. They're all in our minds, for lack of a better word, they're all cool. You know, we all want to be around the athletes because they're the cool kids on campus. And when you have one that loves the Lord, oh, my gosh, it takes them to a different level. And I will say as a female, when men, especially because we're all looking for a good Christian husband and every woman wants a husband that's not going to cheat on them, it's going to be a provider, it's going to work hard, going to have a positive attitude, going to walk in the door and want to serve his wife and she's going to want to serve him. That's what we were looking for when I was in college. So when you look around the room and you see these athletes that, you know, they perform in front of 60, 70, 80,000 people every Saturday at our football game, and you see them in the room with you loving the Lord and singing praise and worship songs and listening to the message, there's nothing more attractive. Those guys, every girl wanted to date them. Every, you know, if they're just leaders, they're leaders. And that's the kind of man girls are looking for. I'm going to teach my daughter to look for a good Christian man who's going to love her. From that aspect, it's a great place to meet your spouse. Many people in college are looking for marriage. You know, in New York, people get married a lot later, but a lot of my friends in South Carolina got married to their college sweethearts. And many of my friends in FBA married one another, and they still have wonderful relationships. Some of them are missionaries. Some of them have adopted children, have had children of their own. One of them is the pastor at Shandon Baptist, which is our big church in Columbia, where most of my group went when we were in college. And they're just going out and changing the world. Such a great place to just be surrounded by goodness and wholesomeness and good people and like-minded Christians who just are here on this earth in every single thing they do to serve Christ. And it was fun. You know, I grew up in very formal churches, the Lutheran Church and the Episcopal Church. And then I started going to FCA and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like a concert. And then our college ministry met in the movie theater next to Shandon Baptist. They had a praise and worship band down at the bottom right under the movie screen. And we were all in the audience and we were all just dancing. And, you know, I'd never been in a room where people are raising their hands, listening to praise and worship music. And that music just spoke to me. It still does. It can make me cry. I'm so upset with myself if I'm a little bit late for church because I don't want to miss praise and worship. I just think music unites all of us and is beautiful and um, such a glorious message about Christ. And I feel like Christ speaks to me through music. And I know a lot of your audience can relate to that. Folks, our number one purpose as believers, as Christians, 
is to love others and to bring others to Christ. Ainsley, you definitely have been able to spread the word and show people how to love through your books. You have the two children's books and then your latest book, The Light Within Me, which is more of a religious foundational book. Ainsley, go ahead. Tell us about your three books that you have out right now. When I was pregnant with Hayden, I wrote Take Heart, My Child. And I wrote that because when I was growing up, I have a wonderful father who was a basketball coach, the head basketball coach of Walford College in Spartanburg, South Carolina, when we were little. He did that for 10 years. And then he had to get out of coaching because he had three children and he was on the road so much recruiting players. And it was really difficult on my mom, who worked full time as well. You know, he wasn't making a lot of money. He was extremely happy. Oh, gosh, I have I had a great childhood because dad and mom were happy. They were so fun. And we didn't have a lot. We had all that we needed. But dad would leave me little notes next to my cereal bowls every day with a scripture or a saying. Like I remember he said, Walt Disney said, I hope I'll never be afraid to fail. He would, you know, any type of riddle or some sort of piece of advice, stay out with the owls, don't expect to soar with the eagles, nothing good happens after midnight. You know, as we got older, some those were some of the notes. He's just a great dad and just a motivator. So that book was a dedication to my parents, but specifically to my dad, because I was in this meeting with some individuals from Simon & Schuster. They were my publisher at the time. And we were just throwing out ideas. I'd written a children's book about my dog. And then I thought I really, The Giving Tree is one of my favorite books. I can't even get through it reading it to Hayden without sobbing. But I thought about maybe writing a book about a tree or I, I didn't know. I just knew God was calling me before I got to Fox. When I was in San Antonio, Texas, I remember sitting in church and having all these ideas about a children's book. And I knew I was going to write one eventually. My mom's a school teacher. My sister's a school teacher. So I was going to get them to go on the road with me. And we were going to write a book about my little dog, Zach. So I ended up writing it, turned it into the publisher. And they said, you know, we have so many dog books. Come in and meet with us. We know you're on Fox and Friends. Let's talk about different ideas. So I told them that story about my childhood and my dad and how great he is. And he's one of my heroes. And they said, that's amazing. We want to do a book about that. Do you still have any of these notes? I said, I have tons of my dad's notes. And so we put all of those notes together and some songs that my mom had given me, some lyrics. And we created this book that was my baby. I just loved it because not only was I having a baby, but I was writing my first children's book. And I saw that vision of me in Texas when I was in church of God basically telling me you're going to write a children's book or just giving me the the desire to do it. And then here it comes to fruition. So that was a fun book and a fun project. One of the best projects I've ever been a part of in my life. And so then they, they sent me the manuscript and with all the pictures, I got the first book and I was reading it in Hayden's nursery. And Hayden was not born yet. She was still in my tummy, obviously. And so I was reading it out loud and read it to my mom and dad and was crying as I was reading it because these are all my dad's words of advice. And I'm reading it. My child's inside of me. And I had prayed for a baby. I'd had a miscarriage. We went through just a period in my life where I would see women on the street with their strollers or pregnant. And I would just pray, God, I really want that. I really want that. Please let this happen. Everything, it just hit me. It was just so emotional. So that book that I was hosting on The Five one day, which is one of our shows on Fox News, and we were talking about war and politics. And I said, you know how I get through this? I just, there's a scripture about just take heart. 
I am in control of this. And so they said, do you ever get to talk about your faith on air? And I said, yes. And I told them that story and they said, that's it. That's going to be the title of your, your book, Take Heart. So it's Take Heart, My Child. Then Through Your Eyes is a children's book about what it's like to be Hayden's mom. It's a children's book, but just looking at life through their eyes. I remember when Hayden saw a dog for the first time. I was holding her and I was shopping in a store and I was looking through the clothes and the dog was behind me. So she was looking over my shoulder and she was giggling and I turned around and I saw the dog. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the first time she's seen a dog because my dog had passed away before she was born. That was a neat moment because you see your child seeing the animal that you love the most right in front of her and seeing it for the first time. And then we went outside. I remember the first time she saw rain. I remember the first time my sister was in town. My sister and I took her out of the apartment for a walk. The very first time my daughter had been outside other than us bringing her home from the hospital. Those moments, that's why I wrote that book. And then The Light Within Me is about my faith. It's just my my story. And they approached me about it and said, we'd like for you to write us a memoir. And I said, well, I just read Barbara Walters' memoir. And I was like, well, I haven't had a career like Barbara Walters. I'm not just kind of starting my career. I or right in the middle of it, at least. I feel like I'm not worthy of writing a memoir. And they said, well, we want you to write a memoir about your faith. And I said, okay, I can't say no to God. Let's talk Bible verses. What Bible verses do you hold closest to you, maybe even ones that you reflect on on a daily basis? Let me pull up my Jesus Calling to because I want to read you that today because I read that every day. I'm sure you do, Jason. I'm sure a lot of your listeners do too. I read that going to work every day, that devotion, and then I read those Bible verses. And I feel like God is so strange, but he's written that in advance for me because every day it applies to my life. So I'll read you our today's Bible verses, but let me tell you my favorite verse. The one that, I mean, obviously I love them all, and depending on what I'm going through, it changes. And, and I encourage people who are listening, first of all, if you are going to a church that takes you to a deeper level and you don't feel fed in your church, find a church where you feel fed so that it changes your life. So you walk out of there as a new person. And I, coming from a, you know, Episcopal and a, a Lutheran background, we don't flip through our Bibles all the time like they do in the Baptist church. Went to the bookstore, got a study Bible, and I asked for tabs because I said, when they say in the church, turn to John, I don't know where John is. Well, I knew Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I knew the Gospels just from my childhood, but I didn't know where Ecclesiastes was. I didn't know where anything was. Galatians, I, it was just foreign to me. So I got the tabs. That helped for people who are new Christians. Um, and this is a verse that's always been one of my favorites. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you know this verse very well. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. But I love this because if you ever have a doubt about what the next step is in your life, do not worry. God tells us do not worry. But Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you. God knows them. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So if you're in a bad place right now, that is not God harming you. He plans to prosper you. You just have to embrace where you are, learn what God is trying to teach you through this moment. And he is giving you hope and he has a future plan for you. I was reading an article about a, a guy who wanted to commit suicide and now he's so happy and he wanted to commit suicide, you know, a long time ago. And I'm thinking now he's so happy if he had just 
had faith to know that God has a future for him, then he never would have even considered that. Because if that's where you are in your life right now, just wait. Just wait. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. Ask for his help. Ask him to show you the way, and he will. What parent would ever deny their child of help, of hope, of a future? God is not going to deny you of that. So you have to know in your heart that he is going to provide for you. You just have to stick it out. It is not worth taking your life or not having faith because you're in a really bad place right now. Okay, so I love that. And I'll read you our Jesus Calling today. And I'll read you what three verses are for today. And I hope that it helps someone. Sometimes there are two verses. Sometimes there are three. Today, there, there are two. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 23. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ, the first fruit, then when he comes, those who belong to him. And this is Hebrews 6.19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. In the back of my Bible, which I'm holding now, this is my study Bible that I bought when I was first saved. Um, and I write notes in it. And I remember posting a picture on social media recently and I had some people criticizing me for writing in my Bible, which I had never even heard of. I thought it was fine to write in your Bible. My dad did it all the time, and his Bible was all over our house um, in different places at different times, and it was highlighted and underlined. But I guess um, some people think that it's sacrilegious to do that. For me, it has helped me tremendously, especially when I look through my Bible. When I'm going through a hard time, I might go to Psalms just because I need an uplifting passage. And I'll see in the margin where... Back in 1998, it helped me get through X, Y, and Z, and I write it in the margin. So maybe it helped me get through a relationship. Maybe it helped heal a relationship. Um, I had my mom really didn't understand me going to a Baptist church after she had raised me in an Episcopal church and a Lutheran church, and she just she would go with me sometimes, and she didn't get it. It wasn't the way she liked to learn. And she has since joined Bible studies and she's saved and she has changed churches to a church that really feeds her more. So we've come a long way, but there were times where we struggled because I wanted my mom obviously to support my decisions. And um, there were some struggles there just because we were looking for different things in different churches. Another uh, verse that I love is Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And it says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I wrote in the back of my Bible a translation from Adam Holt, disciple journal called Busyness. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly, the kind of life God promises us. I also love John sixteen thirty three. Have I told you these things so that in me you may have peace? In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And that was the scripture that I set on air when I was on the five, 
And that was the story I repeated to my editors. And that's how my first book became Take Heart, My Child. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So no matter what we're facing, it doesn't matter. God's already got this. He's already taken over. He's, it's all done. It's done. It's finished. It was finished when he died on the cross. The hardest thing for me, and if you're listening to the show right now, you'll hear this later on in other episodes too. The hardest thing for me as a Christian is definitely forgiveness. Ainsley, for you, what's the hardest thing as a Christian? The hardest thing for me as a Christian is probably surrendering because I heard a lady speak. Her child was born with some health problems. And she said, I thought I was, when I was pregnant, we were going to be living in Paris, meaning she was going to be in her favorite place. And she said, but I ended up in Germany or London or wherever it was that she said. She said, and we loved that city too but it wasn't where we thought we were going to be. So I could relate to that because there have been things that have happened in my life that have been painful, the miscarriage, divorce, but no one walks down the aisle wanting that, you know, or ever thinking that's a possibility. No one tries to get pregnant and then thinking it's going to be difficult. You just assume this is all going to work out, but there are challenges in life. And I have learned how to surrender because I thought I was going to be in Paris. And God gave me a different path. But as a result, I have been able to find happiness on that path because I have relied on Christ to get through all those struggles. And God has pulled me out on the other side and given me even more than I could have hoped for. Ainsley, it's been great having you on the show today. Really, really appreciate all the time that you've given to our faith, our country. I know that God will provide everything needed for you and for Hayden to succeed in life. And I wish nothing but the absolute best for the both of you. Thank you so much, Jason. That means a lot to me. And I know you mean that. So thank you. Do you mind praying us out? I would love to. What an honor. Thank you. Please bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this platform that you have given Jason. It is called Our Faith, Our Country. And I pray for our country. I pray for the faithfulness of our country and everyone who's listening to this. If they don't know you, God, I pray that you will find a way to show them your goodness and everything you have done for us. Thank you for sacrificing for each and every one of us. Please protect our country. Please protect everyone around the world, God, who is suffering with COVID and ready for normalcy. Help us to get through this. I pray for the children. I pray for those who are struggling with depression, ready to get back in school if they're not. I pray for your listeners, wherever Jason can be heard. I pray for our athletes, that you will make good decisions and that you will know that you are a role model when you are out there in front of such a large audience. We all look to you and we thank you for using your talents that God has given you to provide us entertainment and excitement and fun and a chance for us to forget about COVID and politics. I pray for our coaches who are so instrumental, who love each and every one of their players and um, are teaching them so much about discipline and being a group and um, relying on one another and um, that it's not all about you, that you have to be a team player. I pray that everyone will take heart, God, that's listening to this. 
and uh, that they will be reassured because you have overcome. You have overcome and you have plans to prosper us. You have plans for us that we don't even know about. I pray that um, you will watch over all of our children, help them to know you, protect them, protect their spouses one day. You already know who they'll marry. And I pray for that for each and every person who is listening that is not married yet. And I pray that you will grow those individuals so that when you're ready for them to meet, your timing will be perfect. We love you so much. And just watch over Jason. Jason Jennings is serving you, God, as he's doing our faith, our country. And I pray that you will give him the biggest and best platform. I pray that you will give him the best guests that love you and can change lives. Just bless his life, bless his world, bless his family. Just let him always know that you're there. We love you so much in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Our Faith, Our Country podcast. Be sure to follow us on all of our social media at Faith Country Pod or by searching for Our Faith, Our Country podcast. Until next time, later times, everybody. Thanks for listening to Our Faith, Our Country. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. 